Okay, here we go with week number two of the kingdom and a series that I'm calling The Kingdom Starts in Your Backyard because we, we began this one last week with the idea that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as we often find it phrased in Matthew's gospel, is not an otherworldly place, as we've talked about it. It's not a future thing. Well, not only that. Not only a future thing, not only an otherworldly place, but the way the Gospels portray the kingdom is right here, right now. That Jesus in the Gospels, when he came to earth, declared the kingdom is here. So we're looking into that idea. What does it mean for us to live as people of the kingdom, with the kingdom right here with us now, in our very own backyard and what that looks like. So we began with that last week in Matthew 13, and I'm going to continue with that this week also in Matthew 13. It's a long chapter in Matthew, and it's filled with parables, and we've talked a bit about parables and what that means. Um, but I, if you're following along, you'll see the, the words of it are in the bulletin, but you'll notice it skips around a little bit. So, so let me give sort of the introduction to that before I read the passage. That because Matthew 13 is such a long chapter and there are so many parables just in this one chapter that we're going to look at for a couple more weeks yet. Today I'm looking at a parable in Matthew 13 that finds itself sprinkled in different places in Matthew 13. So we're just going to pick on just those passages and that means if you're actually opening a Bible and looking to follow along, there's actually some parables today that we're skipping over in this chapter. Not skipping like forget about it. We're going to get to those in the next couple of weeks. So we are going to fill these all in. But I want us to see, first of all, the parable that sort of forms the bookends around this. And it sets the tone for these other stories that are woven into the middle we won't talk about today, but we'll get to in the weeks ahead. Okay, so Matthew 13, and I'm skipping around to some various passages within that, which brings to us the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net. Before I read that, would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we're opening your word here today. And as we open your word and we read these words, may we understand that these aren't just words on a page, but this is your word for our lives. So God, may your spirit speak this into our hearts that we may know and understand what you have for us today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, some various sections then of Matthew 13, these passages that are noted up here. First of all, the parable of the weeds, beginning at verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? 
No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now I'm skipping ahead, so if you're following along in a Bible, you'll see the next thing is the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. We'll skip that one for today. And I'm moving on to verse 36, where we get back to this same story then. Continuing at verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then... The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now I'm going to skip ahead a little bit more because there's a few verses with another parable, parables of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl. But I'm skipping ahead to verse 47 where there's one other story that's related to the weeds. Beginning at verse 47, it's the parable of the net. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, there's a lot going on here in these stories. The parable of the wheat and the weeds and the parable of the net. And once again, as we saw last week, Jesus gives a little explanation in between. A reminder today about parables, though. And we talked about this last week. We began last week in this same chapter in Matthew 13 with the parable of the sower. If you remember that story, the farmer who scatters seed and there's all kinds of different ground that the seed falls on, but it only grows to produce a crop in one of those places of ground. That was last week. We talked last week then about not just that parable in particular, but we talked about parables in general. And I came down with a, a definition of how I want us to understand what parables are. 
The idea that parables, these stories that Jesus tells, parables are stories that convey a kingdom idea and call for a response. Those two things that we noted about, these are features about a parable. There is a kingdom idea in a parable, and there's some kind of response that is called for in a parable. And so as we hear these stories and read these stories of Jesus, we should be tuned in to find those things. What's the kingdom idea that's going on here? And what's the response that is being called for out of that story? There was one thing that we noted last week as well that helps us in that process, that parables also have a point of reference, as I'm calling it. The point of reference is the place in the story where we enter in, where we fit. Jesus tells these stories with the intention that his listeners, his audience, the ones who hear them even yet today, would see themselves in the story somewhere. Now, once again this week, because again this week, Jesus, or Matthew, includes in his gospel, the explanation that Jesus gives. So that work is kind of easy for us because it's written right there in the passage, right? Jesus describes for us where the point of reference is for us. And in this one, you find it working in two directions, don't you? People. He talks about where people are. The righteous people, people of the kingdom, are the wheat, But there's other people as well, people who sow evil, the weeds. That The point of reference comes down that way. Now, last week when we saw the parable of the sower, we saw the point of reference was different, right? Last week in the parable of the sower, the people are the ground, the soil. That's not in this story, though. Now we're moving on to something different. We're not ground anymore. Now in this story, we're the actual plant, the plant that grows. But it's sort of left ambiguous. What plant? The wheat or the weeds? Maybe that leaves us with a little bit of a question to ask about that point of reference. And and here's where I want to pause for just a minute and, and set the story straight. Because can we admit that This is a story that, at some level, is a bit hard to read because there's some judgment going on here, right? Jesus uses words that sound rather harsh in his explanation of this parable and in the parable of the net, the same judgment taking place for the weeds or for the bad fish. Their place is to be burned, And Jesus gives some description about that, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And maybe this is a hard parable to read because it leaves us in a place where we're wondering, "Uh uh-oh, judgment. Which one am I and how do I know? How do I know if, if I'm wheat or if I'm weeds or if I'm good fish or bad fish? Maybe it's a parable that gives us a little struggle and and we're wondering how are we supposed to read that? But I think that misses the point. It misses the point because that's not where the twist in the story happens. 
parables often have that, a twist somewhere in it. After all, let's just read the story at face value, just taking it for what it is, the story by itself. A weed can't somehow decide, wait, 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 I don't want to be a weed anymore. I want to be wheat now. Can I be wheat? Plants can't do that, decide which one to be. There's not anything baked into this story that really confronts us with a stop being a weed and be a wheat because plants don't work that way. There's something else happening here then. It's almost that that part is assumed, the part of which one is which. And what happens to the weeds, that part is assumed as well. It's not really the twist in the story. Of course you don't keep the weeds. Of course you toss them aside. That's not the part of the story that should catch our attention or the part of the story that we should focus on. What then is the part of the story that catches us? What in here is the thing that we should be looking at? I think it has to do with, in the parable of the weeds, the way they all work together. The twist here is that the the farmer sows the seeds and the wheat starts growing, but an enemy comes and sows weeds in there as well, and they start to grow. And and the workers say, hey, you want us to go weed the garden then, right? And the farmer says, no, let it grow. Just let it all grow together. That's the twist that people who heard the story would have said, wait a minute, what? What's going on there? That's the part that catches the reader's attention or the hearer who's hearing Jesus tell this story. That's the piece where some kind of kingdom idea is taking shape because that's the part of the story that sort of smacks us right in the faces. This doesn't sound right or normal or not what I expected, but so often isn't it true that the kingdom of God is not what we expect. So a kingdom idea... That's what we're looking for in some of these stories, right? What's the kingdom idea that's sort of baked into this story? We have to get past that whole judgment piece because that's not really the point that we're supposed to see out of the story. The point that Jesus has in this story is simply this, that the kingdom of heaven is often tangled up in messy places. Wheat and weeds together and, no, don't pull out the weeds. Just let it all stay together. Let it all grow in the same place all tangled up, all worked through. If you've ever had a garden where weeds do take root and you don't pull them out and they start growing through, you know how that works. It just gets to be kind of a tangled mess after a bit. And Jesus is describing something about kingdom in this description, that the kingdom is often tangled up in messy places. I think that's what he wants us to see in this story. That's the lesson that's coming through here that the disciples needed to be aware of. Because sometimes we would rather not have it that way. Sometimes we would rather have the kingdom be more of a neat and tidy place of just kingdom. And let's keep the mess out. Let's keep the weeds aside. Let's only let the good fish in and work with it that way. 
But I think Jesus tells this story then as a reminder, not only of what the kingdom of heaven is like and, and what kingdom in our world, because we're talking about kingdom right now in our backyard, right? What kingdom in our world looks like right now, but, but it's something where Jesus shows us and reminds us a little something about himself, about Jesus. It's a reminder here that as well that Jesus came into the mess of a broken and a sinful world. That Jesus did not pull all the good and righteous people out, but Jesus came into. And when Jesus came into this world, he didn't drop in and sort of put around himself a gated community of, all right, only the people who belong can get inside. Jesus did not come into the world to set up some kind of a country club where it's exclusive members only and no one else can get in through the door. But you read the gospel stories, and doesn't it seem that so often Jesus goes to the very messiest places? Intentionally, he goes there. He seeks it out. That Jesus himself is the one who hangs out with prostitutes. Jesus is the one who is talking with Samaritan women. Jesus is the one who goes to dinner parties with tax collectors. I know that doesn't really ring as something awful in our day and age the way it would have in the Bible. These were traitors, traitors to their country, their homeland, their people. And Jesus says, I'm going to go to your dinner party and be with you. Jesus takes time to pause and be with lepers and cripples, the people that normally are pushed aside, left to be isolated away. Again and again and again, you read the stories in the gospel and look where Jesus goes. He goes into the absolutely messiest places in his world at his time. That's where he goes. And Jesus goes there, bringing with him the kingdom. That the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, so often is tangled up in these messy places. That's what we see in this story, right? That's what ought to come through on this. That when we read about the parable of the wheat and the weeds and the net, the, the thing that should come through with is this idea of hmm, the kingdom seems to be caught up in a pretty messy place and a place that perhaps when we look at it, we might not want to always be. After all, you find these stories as they come in the Gospels and those who tried to live the most religious lives during the time of Jesus, right? The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the teachers of the law, those who tried their best to follow all the ways that God told them to live, they're pretty critical of what Jesus is doing. Why are you going there? We're supposed to stay in a place where we keep pure and away from the mess because we don't want those weeds getting into this. But Jesus shows a different way, doesn't he? He shows a different way. 
he comes into the mess. And can we admit, comes into our mess? Our mess. That Jesus comes into that? The mess of my own life? That's where Jesus comes? And makes all things new? Takes the guilt that I hold and says, you don't have that anymore. You don't hang on to that guilt. That goes to the cross. Takes his perfect righteousness and says, this is yours now. This is how I see you. That Jesus comes into the mess with that. The mess of my own life, of our lives, of our world. Now, I might have a response to that. And here's an appropriate response, right? The appropriate response is that I say, thank you, right? I I would pray a prayer of thanks to say, thank you, Jesus, for coming and finding me and right in the middle of this mess and taking my guilt, redeeming me. And then, and then maybe there's a bit of a prayer that follows that I have to catch myself. Because maybe without meaning to, the next thing is, and, and now would you just do something about the rest of the mess around me? Thank you for coming in and taking care of my mess, and now can you just sort of clear out the rest of all this other mess that I don't want to deal with? Can you take care of that? And the story here today is a story that sort of gives God's answer to that request, isn't it? That God says, hmm, it's going to all grow together. It's all together. Yes, I have come to redeem and to restore and to give you new life, but you're still in a messy place, in a messy world. And it's not until the harvest that it gets sorted out. So just get used to living in a kingdom that's tangled up in a mess. Because that's the world that we live in. That's what we see around us. In that kingdom idea then, we say that these parables call for a response. That we look for what that response is. How should we respond to what this means for us? There's a couple of ideas in here. A couple of ideas of response that we can see. You'll notice that in, in a garden, it's not the plant's job to decide what plants stay and what plants go. Right? I, of course, that's obvious. Plants don't do that. Plants can't decide, hey, you know what? I think you need to get out of here. The plants can't remove the weeds. Remember the point of reference in this story. Remember who it is that we are. We're not the farmer. We're not the workers. We're the plants. And the plants don't get to decide who stays and who goes. So remember our place in that. Remember our place. Our first response out of this parable is a response that says, you know what, here's what I have to admit. I have to be okay with the mess. Because sometimes that's a struggle, right? Can we be honest about that? 
that as we think about what the kingdom of God means and wanting to live into the kingdom of God, and, and maybe I introduce the topic and maybe you think right away, yep, bring it on. Let's talk kingdom. And then a story like this comes and says, and it's going to be messy. And ah, all right. I have to be okay with some mess going on with the kingdom and around the kingdom as it comes into our world and as God works that through. Uh, we have in, in this church, we've been working for a little over a year now with a refugee congregation from Congo that uses our building in the afternoons. So they, they come from Africa, that's where they were born and raised, and because of war, they've had to flee and escape and find a safe place to be. And they come from a culture that's so different from anything I know, and likely from what many, most, maybe all of us know. We've had them in the building for over a year now, and it's messy. Can I say that? It's messy. Because you know how we are. Church starts at 9.30. That means 9.30 we go. And look at the clock now. Wrap it up, Tom. It, it's almost time to go. They're not like that. Not at all. Time doesn't mean anything. It's we come when we come and we stay as long as we stay. And that's just how they work. And we come with ideas of what it means for hospitality to be received and respected and what it means for us to share what we have. And they have different ideas of what shared hospitality looks like and what it means for them to come in and use this space. We've had to have some tense conversations around that, which I know most of you aren't involved in, but we're trying to work a way through some of these things of what it means to have that. They've got big families, lots of kids. So there's lots of kids running around in this place on a Sunday afternoon, and kids are messy because kids are messy, right? So there's a bit of a mess when it's done. And sometimes I'm caught. Sometimes I'm caught, and the, and the thought is in my head, do I really want to deal with this mess? What did we get ourselves into? Maybe I don't want to deal with this. Maybe some days I just wish I didn't have to deal with it. And, and that's where a thought strikes me. Who's really the one with the mess? Who's really dealing with a mess? I don't know that we get to say for sure. Because remember, it's not my job as the plant to pull out the weeds. I'm not the one who can decide who stays and who goes. But we are in a kingdom that's tangled up in some messy places and God just lets it all grow together. So what do we do then? It's not my job to pull out the weeds. Then what is my job being okay with this mess? Maybe simply a response is, is this, that I just have to be the wheat. Now, now, I know I said before, you know, you don't get to choose, are you wheat or are you weeds? That's just sort of assumed in the story. So I don't mean that. I don't mean that in the sense of the judgment of the story. Oh, no, stop being weeds. I need to be wheat now. I mean that in, I need to do what wheat is supposed to do, which is produce a crop, bear fruit. We talked about this a little bit last week. 
of what that fruit looks like, that spiritual fruit of the kingdom, the spiritual fruit that's talked about in the Bible. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. My focus, my job, my place in the kingdom is to bear those things, to produce that crop. That's my response. Just to be the wheat or to be the good fish. It's not my job to pull out weeds. It's not my job to decide who stays and who goes. It's my job to produce the fruit, to produce the crop, and to do that in ways that understands that I'm doing that in the middle of a mess, right? That it's going to be messy around me as I do that and as that takes shape. But I do that then in ways that even in the middle of a messy world can produce fruit, can grow the kingdom because of what God does and how God works. So if you're doing that and you're wondering, am I doing this right because it sure seems messy around me still, I think that's okay, and I think the story lets us know that's okay. The mess doesn't go away. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means stay focused on being what God has called you to be, someone who produces fruit for the kingdom, even in the middle of a mess. And God will bless that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the way that you show us in your word how it is that you have brought your kingdom into this world. Lord, we want to confess and say that we're sorry about times when maybe we have tried to take on a role that's not ours. When we try to be the farmer, when we try to pull out weeds ourselves, when we try to arrange the garden the way we want. Lord, help us to be people who know and realize and find a place to be okay with the mess in our world that's around us. Recognizing that you came into the middle of that. You came into the middle of our mess. And you've called us to be your people in that. So Lord, continue to work with us in that. Continue to go with us. Continue to shape us to the people you desire us to be. That we may bear the fruit of your kingdom as you work through us. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.